Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Welcome to the show. So go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. My name is Yesenia Godoy, but you can call me Yese, and I am an intuitive eating nutritionist. Um, I am a Mexican immigrant that came to the U.S. as a, a young kid, so I consider myself Mexican-American. Um, as far as what I do, um, I help women improve their relationship with their bodies and food and, and tune more into their intuition when it comes to, to those things. Wow. I think that's really important work because I think so many people have, you know, these really difficult relationships with food and really difficult relationships with their body. Like they could be two separate things altogether. And then they also combine and kind of create this perfect storm, I think, a lot of the times, too. Um, And it's such a hard conversation, I think, to have. Uh, with family and friends because sometimes they're perpetuating or kind of um, continuing on like narratives and invalidating, you know, an experience. I would love to hear like, how is it that you found yourself doing this work specifically? So um, I started dieting in in college and it was to lose a few pounds because I had gained a few pounds, um, you know, the freshman 15 that you hear about. And I did it in a very unhealthy way. I was running a lot, eating 1,200 calories. And the consequences of that for me were I started binging, um, just feeling very out of control with food, eating entire sleeves of cookies and boxes of chocolate. And I remember begging my husband to hide these foods for me because I could not control myself. And so that was my first experience with dieting, um, probably because of the low calories and all the exercise I was doing, I ended up injuring myself. So I hurt myself running and I had to look for a different way to be fit. But in that time, I really wanted to be thin and I found um, weightlifting and I started weightlifting and it started feeling, I, I felt so powerful, so strong. I never imagined to be able to lift the weight that I was lifting and, you know, a small, I'm a small lady uh, in stature and and I was like, wow, this is so, so cool and so amazing. And I knew that eating how I had been eating before very low calorie was not going to work for the grueling sessions that I was having in the gym. And so I started um, tracking macros. And, and I did that for many, many years. And that while that helped my relationship with food in some ways. It also led me to a lot of disordered eating patterns. So I was meticulously weighing and tracking every morsel of food, which also, whenever I was so focused on food, I was also very focused on how my body looked and trying to change how it looked and manipulate it with my eating and my workouts. And so I found myself in a place where I felt trapped Every time I tried to stop dieting, I would start binging and um, I felt like I couldn't control myself around food. And I didn't know why, because I felt like the way I was eating was very flexible and sustainable. And thinking back on it, it was, 
it was flexible and sustainable more so than other diets, but it was still a diet and it was still damaging me in the way that diets do. And, and so during the pandemic, like many of us, I started reevaluating my life and thinking like, what are areas in my life that I, I felt like things needed to change? And my micromanaging of my food was one of those things that I was like, this needs to change. Like, what am I doing? Why am I, you know, obsessing over food and my body? Like, this needs to change. And so I reevaluated re many things in my life um, at the beginning of the pandemic. And that was one of them. And that's when I started eating intuitively. And so eating intuitively is, um, it's a self-care framework where you trust your intuition, you trust your body, your your own hunger and fullness cues um, to know what, when, and how much to eat. And it was very, I was very skeptical at first. I was very afraid. I really thought that I was one, I was just maybe born. And I thought really it had been so long that I didn't have control around food without micromanaging it, that I truly believe that I was, couldn't be an intuitive eater. Um, but when I fully embraced it, um, I discovered that, yes, not only can I eat intuitively, but when I'm not so obsessed with food, it also takes the focus away from obsessing and nitpicking my body and trying to change it. And so it, I've had this freedom, um, not only in like my um, time, because it was very time consuming, to be dieting all the time and micromanaging my food the way I was, but also in my headspace. So now I have the time and energy to do other things that matter that have nothing to do with um, changing the size of my body. Yeah, that's deep. You know, I think that a lot of people listening, a lot of the ladies um, who are hearing this episode would resonate with with some of the things you mentioned. And I know I personally can resonate with some of the things you mentioned as well. Um, having grown up as an athlete or really active, like in high school and things like that. And then, you know, going to college and college, I was still, you know, doing pretty good, but then it was, you know, transitioning into graduate school with the stress level of that. But then also getting divorced, losing my father, you know, that kind of led to like life happening that led to um, me not having prioritized or been able to take care of myself as much as I was used to physically. Um, and, and then the toll that takes, right? Because if you're used to seeing yourself a certain way and then that changes, that can create, you know, an experience. But for some people, it's that they're used to seeing themselves in a way that they don't like seeing themselves. Let's say someone who has always struggled with food or body image. Um, and so for each person, I'm sure it's so unique. But what are some of the common denominators that you see, um, you know, if you're talking to someone or that is, you know, coming to you for support that, that indicates like that this could be helpful for them if there are any common kind of like, you know, markers or things that they say or things that they're struggling with? I think a lot of people will lose weight, get to what is their goal weight or their ideal weight, what they envision would be a comfortable place or the way their body looks. And they still don't feel, I mean, they expect to feel happy, content, satisfied at that, you know, when they achieve that weight loss or that physique goal. 
um, and they don't. And, and the reason that's really common and that's a good indication that maybe, um, maybe something needs to change because if you're, and this happened to me, like I changed, I, um, got down to, to a very low weight. Um, I was trying to build muscle and I did like a, a fitness photo shoot and I thought like, oh, when I have abs, cause that was my goal for a long time. Like I'm going to be so happy and life is going to be great. But what actually turned out to happen was I was miserable because I was starving and my body was just, um, begging me to feed it. And I was, you know, I had brain fog and I just felt horrible and, um, I lost my menstrual cycle. And so when I got to that point, I had abs, but there were so many consequences. It impacted my relationship with my husband, my friendships, my ability to go out and enjoy food. And so, so that was, that was the first sign I, that, that I, I did some, you know, some, uh, reflection and I was thinking, wow, so I have abs and it's nothing like I imagined. And the reason that happens is because my happiness and what I was trying to achieve, what I want, how I wanted to feel had nothing to do with how I looked. It had to do with inner work. I needed to do inner work to improve my confidence and to feel better about myself. And, and that was not going to happen by changing my body. And that's what happens to a lot of women is that they think that if they get to a certain weight, that their lives are going to change, but nothing changes except their body. And then it's very discouraging when you get there and you feel like, well, now I'm now what, right? Like I've, I'm at my goal weight and I still want to get smaller or my life is still, I'm still unhappy. And it's because it's, it's the inner work that, that you have to do to get there. And so when people are constantly thinking about food um, and their bodies, that, that is a good sign that maybe something needs to change in that area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it makes complete sense what you're mentioning. And again, a lot of what you're saying is like, hey, I've been through that. Like I, I've seen times in my life where that was something that came up or even just this idea of being like goal oriented and then reaching the goal and then being like, oh, you know, it's kind of underwhelming, you know, uh, compared to what you thought it was going to be like in your head or what picture that you painted. Um, and I think that that happens to a lot of people. And then kind of realizing that the work lies somewhere else, I think can, for some people could be like a rude awakening or it could be really sobering, or maybe maybe some people would find it hopeful, but I think it would end up being kind of discouraging, you know, for a lot of people. And, and um, did you have support in the process of kind of like transitioning out of that process, or did you kind of do things on your own? Like, what did that look like for you in your journey as you went from heavily tracking and like being, you know, hyper-focused on, on food and your body um, to this self-love approach of intuitive eating, what did that look like for you? So um, to be honest with you, the first time I tried, um, well, the first time I read the book was years ago, four or five years before I even um, con- actually considered it. And and I, I looked at it with such skepticism. It came from a mindset of, no, like this can't be me. Like, I, there's, I was not born an intuitive eater. 
like if I let myself eat whatever I want, I, you know, it's going to be chaos. Like I'm, it's just going to be like an all you can eat buffet every day for me. Like I cannot control myself around food. And so the first time I read that book, I looked at it with such skepticism that I couldn't even fathom the idea of even trying it. And so I put the book down. I read most of it. Um, and, and I sat back and, and then a few years after when I got fed up again, another point where I got fed up with tracking and micromanaging my food, I read the book again and started implementing everything, but I, I implemented it so rigidly that it started to be rules. So I, I made it into like the hunger and fullness diet and had all these rules. And then the minute I gained a pound, I was like, I'm done. Like, and I went back. And it wasn't until the pandemic that I was able to truly embrace it in the way that I needed to embrace it to be successful with it. And and in terms of support, I think the 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 best support I got, I didn't personally seek support, but I immersed myself in everything intuitive eating. I started following people on Instagram that talked about intuitive eating, nutritionists and registered dietitians, YouTube videos and podcasts and reading books about it. And that was, and unfollowing anyone that, that really promoted diet culture and thinness um, and weight loss. And, and I felt that that was the most helpful thing in my journey for me, because then every time I went online or I picked up a book, it was reinforcing all those things I wanted to achieve, which was to eat intuitively, to stop obsessing with food and my body and, and to focus on, on other things, you know, my hobbies, my relationships, things that actually matter, not trying to shrink my body to some unrealistic standard. Wow. Yeah, I think immersion is huge. I love that you mentioned, you know, the ability to curate, right, your environment your your social networking environment, your what you were seeing on a regular basis, what you were consuming, podcasts, YouTube channels, and things like that, um, to support you. Which I mean, I guess is like literally what was his name, um, James Clear from Atomic Habits talks about, right? Like environment design. So you are you are surrounding yourself and creating an environment that was designed to help you to be able to shift in the way that you wanted to. And I think that that's a huge thing that's oftentimes missing when I talk to ladies and they want to do something different, they want to be or do or have something different, but you know, they're not doing that piece of environment design. It's not just going to like drop in your lap. Results aren't going to just drop in your lap. A shift isn't going to just drop in your lap. It's going to be an active process um, to some extent. So what would you say kind of distinguishes those who have worked with you and been able to progress and get really good, great results, like are there common characteristics or a mindset or approach that you see that they all share? Um, having a very open mind and being very flexible. So not seeing the process as something that, that you fail or that you pass. It's being flexible because there's always going to be um, – ups and downs 
and and you want to be able to sort of roll with the punches. Like whenever you have an obstacle and you um, maybe you don't eat intuitively or you get pulled back into dieting or you're nitpicking the body again, it's to to be open-minded to know that those things are going to happen. Like it's very, it's, it's a normal part of the process. And to take those as learning opportunities for, oh, well, I didn't eat intuitively. Maybe I you know, overindulged um, and that's okay. And, and so I think another component is self-compassion. So being able to have compassion for yourself when you make mistakes, because we're human and we're going to make mistakes. And, and having self-compassion for yourself will help you be able to, you know, stand back up whenever, whenever the process, you know, knocks you down because you weren't, you know, you had some challenges. And I, and I think so those things being open-minded, having self-compassion and being flexible and not rigid. Um, because if, at least for me, that first time when I actually tried intuitive eating, I was so rigid that I, there was, you know, objectively, if we look at it, I, I was not going to be successful because I was, I either wanted an A plus and when I didn't get that, I just went the complete opposite direction. Um, and so, so I, I think there's, you know, a lot of a, a lot that we can learn in, in those imperfect moments and with the mistakes that we make. Hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, there's so many layers to the conversation because I know as a woman of color, I can see kind of all of the layers when it comes to, you know, the society we live in, the beauty standard and living in a fat phobic, you know, um, a fat phobic kind of society where there's just so many messages that we're receiving, even in early childhood about, you know, body image and food and, and then being a woman, cause it's different maybe for boys, not that boys don't have, you know, their own version or their experience as well. Um, not to diminish that, but like the messages are just so heavy for, um, those who identify as females. And so it's like, there's so many layers that, um, you could get lost in, in thinking that it's one thing and not realizing that this inner work really has to do with, it sounds like from what you're saying, shedding, you know, a lot of the things that you have learned that are not productive and healthy and helpful for you in this season of your life. Cause something may have worked at some point, but does that mean that you need to keep applying it, you know, today? And so it sounds like it's really about upgrading and updating, you know, your way of relating to your body and to food, to where you are in the moment in a self-compassionate way, which is really cool. Um, and it sounds like you're calling out all of us uh, perfectionists and recovering perfectionists to allow ourselves to be more flexible, to allow ourselves to not be attached and really holding on to um, the plan that we create and the outcome that we see so that we can actually get to where we want to be, right? Because um, when we're more flexible, it makes us it makes it easier for us to detour if necessary to get to where we want to be ultimately, even though it may not be exactly what we outlined or envisioned. Um, what would you say, you know, let's say to yourself at an earlier point in your journey when you were really struggling and, you know, you were trying to figure out what to do or, or who to be or looking for an answer um, to this struggle, what, what is it that you would say to yourself knowing what you know now? I would tell myself to hire someone, to work with someone who already has been through the journey that 
could understand where I was so that they could give me an objective viewpoint because we tend to, especially me, and I'm definitely a recovering perfectionist, at least I consider myself a recovering perfectionist. Um, I get very in, in my head and a lot of us do this. Like we get very, very in our heads about things and, and that's where some of the rigidness. So, so if you're having all these thoughts and feelings and experiences just alone, you feel very isolated. But when you have someone else helping you or a community or other people that are going through the same journey, then you're, you realize how normal the experience is. And, and it helps you that, that support and encouragement helps you build resilience. Um, not not to mention that that when you're stuck and you're you know stuck in a negative loop of you know of thoughts usually that that someone else can can step they can step back in a way that you can't and look at it objectively and give you some objective feedback um, and maybe some things that you can try and strategies that you would wouldn't think of on your own. So so I think that was. If I were to do it all over again, I would seek more direct support from from someone who was experienced, um, who had gone through the process. I love that. You know, and I always ask the question, like, do you think it's possible to get out of quicksand by yourself? And that answer informs, you know, what you should do next. You know what I mean? And so it's like, if you think it's possible, let me know how <laughs> so that I because that's a million dollar idea. Right. But most people will say no, they would prefer to have support or a hand or a branch or help getting out of the quicksand. And it's also ensuring that you're not trying to get out of quicksand with someone who's in quicksand as well. So if two people are in quicksand, you can't rely on each other to get each other out because you're just actually going to make each other sink faster. And so it's like, like you said, direct support from someone who has been through the experience, they're trained, they know, um, or they have access to, you know, a, a path, right, that leads to where you want to be from where you are. And I know that's really difficult for a lot of people to wrap their heads around. And really, we could have coaches and, and you know, support and things like that communities for every area of our lives. And I think actually, we should, but it's really being able to figure out like how much of um, a prevalent problem this is for you. And when it comes to food, it's like, you have to eat every day. Like, you know, like alcohol, you don't have, you don't need alcohol to live. So alcohol or drugs or something like that, like you can, you, you logically, it's like, you don't need that thing to function. Food and your body, you wake up in your body every day, you go to sleep in your body every day. In order to have energy and to sustain your body, you must face food on a daily basis. So I feel like it's such a difficult um, intersection for people to overcome just because we can't do out of sight, out of mind in a lot of ways because it's it's going to be there in some way, shape, and form in front of us. So I really appreciate you just like your transparency and you sharing your story because it's not easy to talk about these things um, and just to be able to allow people to hear their story through your story. So I want to just, you know, give you your flowers in that realm. And I would love for you to share, like, where can people stay in contact and communication with you and learn more about what it is you do? Thank you. I, I am honored to be here. And thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about this subject. And um, I can be found on Instagram at Yese Godoy. 
Um, so Y-E-S-E-G-O-D-O-Y. And that's where I hang out most of the time. I love it, y'all. So definitely make sure the links will be in the show notes. Tap in, follow her page, engage with her content, like, you know, communicate, comment, send her a DM if you really feel like this resonated with you. Um, The goal is always to add value and share information and, you know, just people in the world that are willing to to talk about the things that a lot of people aren't talking about on a daily basis. Um, and so again, it really is, if you feel like this message resonates with you, maybe a sign that this is a season for you to focus in this area because it doesn't have to continue to be the way that it has been for however long. And there is support out there in the world. Even if you ask her for a book recommendation, even if you ask her what podcast was it that you were listening to, even if whatever the case may be, right? Um, Being able to advocate for yourself and speak up and get the information you need to get to where you want to be. But I just want to appreciate you again and say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I know that everyone is going to enjoy this episode and we will talk to you next time, Gems. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.